0: us to today's lesson on sustaining grace, how God gives us the power to keep on persevering even when at times we just feel like quitting. Follow along in your Bible as I read 1 Peter chapter 5. We pick it up actually in the middle of verse 5. All of you... Peter writes, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor, that's actually the word grace, to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Don't miss those words at the end of verse 12 there. This is the true grace of God. Stand fast. Fast in it. The New Century Version translates verses 10 and 12. God who gives all grace will make you strong and support you and keep you from falling. This is the true grace of God. Stand strong in that grace. You see, not only does God save us by His grace, but He also sustains us by His grace. Not only does God promise that we will be with Him in heaven, but He also promises that He will be with us on earth sustaining grace. Amazing Grace. As we take a closer look at sustaining grace together, let's begin our study by reviewing God's sustaining grace. Let's review when it is that we experience God's sustaining grace in our lives. I can identify both from the Bible and from my own personal experience at least three different times when God gives us the power to keep on keeping on, to persevere even when we're at the end of our rope and we are about ready ready to toss in the towel. God's sustaining grace comes to me, first of all, when I am tempted. God's sustaining grace comes to me when I am tempted. Look again at 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. You see, there's a a constant spiritual battle going on in our lives. Our carnal nature and Satan want us to say yes to temptation and sin, whereas our spiritual nature and the Holy Spirit want us to say no to temptation and sin. And over and over, again and again, we are pulled back and forth in this spiritual struggle, this tug of war that goes on within us over temptation. I think Paul described it very well in Romans 7, verses 21-24. through In fact, let's read these verses out loud together. Would you read them with me? It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned but there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is within me so you see how it is my new life tells me to do right but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin oh what a terrible Terrible predicament I'm in. Man, can you relate to that or what? I mean, that resonates with me. I'm sure it does with you as well. Well, then how can we persevere in the face of temptation? How can we stand firm and keep saying no, no, again and again? The answer is God's sustaining Grace. Look at these two Scripture passages. First Corinthians 10, verse 13. Remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different than what others experience. God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. You see, even in the midst of our temptations... <laughs> God's grace is at work. He shows us, it says, a way out. If we really want an escape route, the escape route is there. God, by His grace, makes sure that the temptation is not so great that we cannot say no to it. He allows us this grace moment, a way out, right there in the midst of our temptation. Now, of course, we have to truly want it. But it is always there. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16 reminds us, when Jesus lived on earth, He was tempted in every way we are, but He did not sin. Let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. Those two verses I think are pretty incredible. They remind us that Jesus Himself was here on this earth, and when God in the flesh lived among us, He was tempted, it says, in every way that we are tempted. Sometimes we forget that. And so when we're struggling with temptation in our lives, today we can come to Him knowing that He is there to extend grace to us. He understands. He empathizes with our temptations because, you see, He's been there, He just hasn't done that. You understand that, right? He's been there, but He hasn't done that because He did not sin. And because He Himself was victorious, He can help us to be victorious. And so first, God extends His sustaining grace to me when I am tempted. Number two, when I am tired. God extends His sustaining grace to me when I am tired. Now I'm not telling you anything new when I tell you that life at times is rather exhausting. It requires a lot of energy to live life, especially when you're trying to do the right thing rather than the easiest thing. You see, there are basically two kinds of people in the world today. On the one hand, there are those who don't even try to do the right thing. They just do the easiest thing. They just want to go with the flow. They want to coast through life in the mainstream of the majority. Now, can I tell you something? When you coast through life, that means you're going downhill. Think about it. On the other hand, there are a few of us who try to do the right thing even though it is not the easiest thing. And it requires a lot of energy and effort. Why? Because it's tough to go against the flow. It's tough to swim upstream against the current. It's tough to go this way when everybody else seems to be going that way. And some of us are experiencing that right now. We're in an environment perhaps at work where we seem to be one of the only Christians. Or, or we are living in a neighborhood where we wonder if anybody knows Christ. Or we have a family around us that we know many of them don't know the Lord. And we are trying to be and do what Jesus would be and do. We're trying to be salt and light. We're trying to live a distinctive life. And we are trying, 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 and trying, and we are exhausted. It's tempting sometimes to just say, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Read Galatians 6 verse 9 out loud with me. Would you read it with me? Let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, where do we get the strength? Where do we get the power to keep doing the right thing when frankly we don't feel like it? God's sustaining grace. Isaiah 40. Verses 29-31 through tells us, God strengthens those who are weak and tired. Even those who are young grow weak. Young people can fall exhausted, but those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow weak. You see, God's promise to us is that if we're tired or exhausted, if it seems hard swimming upstream and sometimes we just want to throw in the towel and give up, He will renew our strength and we will soar like an eagle. I love the picture of that. And so second, God extends His sustaining grace to me when I am tired. And then third, when I am troubled. God extends His sustaining grace to me when I am troubled. Jesus Himself said in John 16 and verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. Uh, That's one of those promises we don't like to read. Quite simply, problems and difficulties in life are inevitable. They should be expected. And when they come, and they will come, we shouldn't be surprised or troubled by them. Life is full of challenges and obstacles, tough times that weigh us down and threaten to pull the rug out from under us. Sometimes, quite frankly, we bring these troubles upon ourselves by our poor choices and our own mistakes. But there are other times that these troubled times just kind of Slap us up the side of the head unexpectedly, and they seem to be unfair and unplanned and undeserved. And it's these kinds of difficulties that hit us the hardest. The ones that say, Hey, whoa, wait a minute. I don't deserve this. Where did this come from? This hurt, this pain, this illness, this injury, this handicap, this disability, this separation, this divorce, this broken friendship, this abuse, this neglect, this death, this sorrow. It's not fair. Oftentimes, I'll have people say to me, life is hard. And I look at them and say, no, actually, life's impossible. It's impossible to live on your own. We can't do it in our own strength. So what's the answer? God's sustaining grace. David was one of those Bible characters who had way more than his fair share of troubles in life. And he certainly learned how to rely upon God's grace to see him through. And he wrote about it again and again in the Psalms, like Psalm 41 verses 1 through 3. He said, The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. The Lord sustains them and restores them. He wrote in Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Psalm 54, verse 4, Surely God is my help, David said. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Psalm 55, verse 22, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. I may not know what difficulty that you're going through in your life today. I may not know what burden that you're carrying on your shoulders right now. I may not know what is breaking your heart this morning. I may not know what mountain you are facing that just seems insurmountable. I may not know what hurt you are feeling that is so deep that your soul shudders in fear. I don't know. But I do know this. God loves you. And He wants to extend His sustaining grace to you to see you through your troubled time. Whatever your difficulty may be, God actually hurts with you. You can lean on His sustaining grace. And so third, God extends His sustaining grace to me when I am troubled. In summary then, I can think of at least these three different times when God extends His sustaining grace to me and gives me the power to keep on persevering even when I want to quit. When I am tempted, when I am tired, and when I am troubled. And when you stop and think about it, that's pretty much the whole spectrum of life, isn't it? (laughs) No matter what the circumstances of life may be, we can rely on God's sustaining grace to see us through. As Peter wrote in today's text, verse 10, the God of grace will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And in verse 12, this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Which leads us to our second main thought this morning, and that's receiving God's sustaining grace. So if God's sustaining grace is extended to me so freely, how can I really receive it? How can I encounter this much-needed grace in my times of temptation, tiredness, and trouble? Well, my study of the Bible has led me to identify five means by which God's grace is poured out in our daily lives. Five keys to receiving and experiencing God's sustaining grace. Beginning with, at the throne of grace. Prayer. God's sustaining grace comes to me at the throne of grace. Prayer. We read, Hebrews 4 verse 16, we read it earlier, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. The picture here is of God's throne, the throne of grace. So oftentimes we picture the throne as a throne of judgment, don't we? But here it's pictured as a throne of grace. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says we can approach that throne of grace with confidence, with full assurance of faith, knowing that when we come to God in our time of need, we will not find Him shaking His finger at us in condemnation, but we will find His arms open to us with grace and mercy. Simply put, God's sustaining grace is experienced when we pray. In fact, it says that in today's text, First Peter 5 and verse 7. Let's read it out loud together. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Yes. He does. And we need to learn how to pray fervently and passionately and earnestly and honestly and transparently and confidently and, confidently and expectantly. Sometimes, in fact, the best prayer that we can pray is one word. Help! (laughs) Help! That's a pretty powerful prayer. God, help me. I can't do this on my own. God, I need your strength to say no to this temptation. God, I need your strength in the middle of my exhaustion. I am so tired. God, I need your strength to get me through this time of trouble. God, I need your grace. Help! So first, God's sustaining grace is received by me in prayer at the throne of grace. And second, through the word of grace, the Bible. Through the word of grace, the Bible. David cries out in Psalm 119 and verse 24, I lie in the dust completely discouraged. Revive me by watching television. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, oh, no, that's not what it says, is it? it? says, Oh, it says, revive me by a weekend away. No, it doesn't say that either, does it? What's it say? It says, revive me by Your Word. Don't miss that. What's David talking about? He's talking about God's Word, the Bible, Scripture. Folks, here is a book... That will comfort us and strengthen us and fill us and encourage us and energize us so that we can keep on going. And that means we need to make some choices in our daily lives so that we can get into the book so that the book can get into us. And we are faced with these choices every single day. Do I flip on the television or do I read my Bible? Do I surf the internet or do I read my Bible? Do I jump onto social media or do I read my Bible? Do I pick up that magazine or book by my bedside or do I read my Bible? Am I making sense here? See, every day we have those choices. Every single day. When Paul was commissioning the Ephesian elders, warning them of some tough times ahead, this is what he had to say in Acts 20 and verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up. See, it's the word of His grace that builds us up. It's the Bible. Scripture that imparts God's sustaining grace to us as it speaks to our hearts and gives us the strength that we need for our everyday battles. We need to intentionally, purposefully choose to spend more time in God's Word. So second, God's sustaining grace is received by me through the Bible. The word of grace. Number three, in the attitude of grace, which is humility. God's sustaining grace comes to me in the attitude of grace, which is humility humility. First Peter 5 and verse 5 says it all. All of you should be very humble with each other because God is against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to whom? The humble. I call it the attitude of grace, humility. By the way, this attitude is so very important that God chose to repeat this same exact verse 5 times. In Scripture, God is against the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. God is against the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. God is against the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Five times. It's kind of like God was saying, listen to this. You might want to note this one. The bottom line is that God's sustaining grace is only available to those who will humbly admit their need for it. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This attitude of humility is something that runs so counter to our culture today. Because we've all been taught, be confident, be a man, be a woman. Be strong. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't be a wimp. Quit whining. You've got it in you. Be determined. You can do it. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can. And let me tell you something if you live by that, you're going to burn and crash. Because it's only when we come to realize I can't do this on my own, I don't have the strength. (laughs) I don't have the confidence. I can't pick myself up by my bootstraps because they're broken. (laughs) When we get to the bottom and we look up and we pray that prayer we just talked about, help! God says, well, it's about time you asked. (laughs) I've been waiting for you to call on me. It's only when we realize in humility that we can't do it on our own that God can pour out His sustaining grace into our lives. You see, if our cup is already full of our own pride, there's no room for God to pour out His grace to us. And so third, God's sustaining grace is received by me in humility. The attitude of grace. Number four, from the ministers of grace. We're talking now about other believers. We receive God's sustaining grace many times from the ministers of grace. The other believers who are around us. Look at what Paul wrote, Ephesians 3 and verse 2. I can assume that you have heard of my divinely allotted ministry, a ministry given to me to bring to you that grace of God that I myself have already experienced. Do you see the gist of what he's saying there? He's saying that his God-given ministry was to be a minister of the grace of God to others because he himself had already experienced that grace of God in his own life. And therefore, he had in essence been given a trust, the trust of grace, to pass that on to others. But you see, that's the way life works. As we've experienced the grace of God in our own lives, so we are to pass that grace on to others. I love the way that Peter put it. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. In fact, let's read this one out loud together. Serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each of you as faithful dispensers of the grace of God. What a great verse. Did you know that you are a grace dispenser? Hi, my name is Mark, and I am a grace dispenser. What an awesome thought. As we've experienced God's grace in our lives, so we are to dispense that grace to others. That's why it's so important for us to connect with other believers. We cannot be Lone Ranger Christians. We need to intentionally build relationships with others in the church. We need to regularly and consistently connect with other Christ followers. If we are not deliberately associating with others, there's no way that we can dispense grace to them and in turn, there's no way they can dispense God's grace to us. Even as Peter talks about the family of believers throughout the whole world in verse 9 of today's text, we need to look for ways to fellowship with other believers. Not just on Sunday mornings in worship, but throughout the week in small group Bible studies by extending hospitality to one another as we open up our homes to each other. We we have got to find ways, folks, to more intentionally and more purposefully connect with one another. Because I need you and you need me and we need each other. That's the way God designed His family to be. And so forth, God's sustaining grace is received by me from... Believers, the ministers of grace. And then number five, with the promise of grace, which is sufficiency. God's sustaining grace is poured out in my life with the promise of grace, and that is God's sufficiency. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible waiting to be claimed. But I think certainly one of the greatest promises from God is found in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 where He says, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Don't miss that promise. My grace is enough many translations translated my grace is sufficient we sang about that this morning but here's the question do you really believe that do we really believe that grace god's grace is all that we need that it is sufficient now to put that in perspective let me read from max lucato's book in the grip of his grace He has a wonderful chapter in this book called Sufficient Grace. And he paints this picture. Let me just read it to you. Here's the scene. You and I and a half dozen other folks are flying across the country in a chartered plane. All of a sudden, the engine bursts into flames. Boy, that's a story we just heard about, isn't it? And the pilot rushes out of the cockpit. We're going to crash, he yells. We've got to bail out. Good thing he knows where the parachutes are because we don't. He passes them out, gives us a few pointers, and we stand in line as he throws open the door. The first passenger steps up to the door and shouts over the wind, could I make a request? Sure, what is it? Is there any way I could get a pink parachute? (laughs) The pilot shakes his head in disbelief. Isn't it enough that I gave you a parachute at all? And so the first passenger jumps. The second steps to the door. I'm wondering if there's any way you can assure that I won't get nauseated during the fall. (laughs) No, but I can assure that you have a parachute for the fall. And each of us comes with a request and receives a parachute. Please, Captain, says one. I'm afraid of heights. Would you remove my fear? No, he replies, but I'll give you a parachute. Another pleads for a different strategy. Couldn't you change the plan? Let's just crash with the plane. We might survive. The pilot smiles and says, you don't know what you're asking. And he gently shoves the fellow out the door. (laughs) One passenger wants some goggles. Another wants some boots. Another wants to wait until the plane is closer to the ground. You people just don't understand, the pilot shouts as he helps us one by one. I've given you a parachute and that is all you need. Only one item is necessary for the jump and He provides it. He places the strategic tool in our hands. The gift is adequate, but are we content? No. We're restless, anxious, even demanding. Too crazy to be possible? Maybe in a plane with pilots and parachutes, but on earth with people and grace? God hears thousands of appeals per second Some are legitimate. We too ask God to remove the fear or change the plans, and He usually answers with a gentle shove (laughs) that leaves us airborne and suspended by His sufficient grace. So, fifth, God's sustaining grace is received by me in sufficiency. It's all I need, the promise. In summary then, how do I experience this much needed grace in my times of temptation, tiredness, and trouble? The Bible teaches that there are at least these five means of grace by which God's sustaining grace is poured out upon our lives. It begins at the throne of grace in prayer. It happens through the word of grace, the Bible. It is received in the attitude of grace, humility. Humility. It comes often from the ministers of grace. Other believers. It always comes with the promise of grace. His sufficiency. Amazing grace. This morning we've taken a closer look at what the Bible says about God's sustaining grace. The power to keep on keeping on even when at times we, quite frankly, just want to quit. 21-year-old John had quickly become a prominent person in the seafaring business. He was the captain of a ship that transported slaves from Africa to the United States. The manner in which he and his crew treated these slaves was unspeakable. As a matter of fact, over 25% of the slaves on each voyage never even made it to the U.S. alive because of the horrible conditions down in the hull of the ship. John and his crew would often beat and rape the men and women and children. However, on one night, a hurricane-forced storm struck John's ship and it was tossed so violently that he and his crew realized that death was imminent. Out of desperation, John fell to his knees and prayed, O oh God, if You give me through this storm, I promise I will change my ways and I will give my life to You. Well, God extended His grace. And the ship was miraculously saved. And when John returned to England, he kept his promise. He resigned his position. He gave his life to Jesus. He actually became a minister of the Gospel. And he even joined William Wilberforce in the fight against slavery. John Newton never lost sight of the depths of depravity from which he was lifted when he penned the words about God's saving grace that we love so much. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John Newton also recognized the sustaining aspect of God's grace when he wrote the verse, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your amazing grace. That not only saves us, but that sustains us. You have not only promised that we will be with You in heaven, but You have promised that You will be with us here on earth. And every day we face situations where it's tough. And sometimes we, quite frankly, just want to throw in the towel and quit. How can I possibly go on? I can't take it any longer. God, help! And you're there with your sustaining grace to see us through. And so do God, it is with confidence that we come to your throne of grace today, asking that you would pour out upon us afresh and anew your sustaining grace for this day, this moment. God, I don't know what each of these people are going through in their lives right now, but You do. I pray that we would all throw ourselves on Your mercy and Your grace, knowing that You will see us through. Because that's just who You are. And that's just the nature of Your amazing grace thank you God thank you we pray it in the precious name of Jesus amen